Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another Wednesday night edition of Sports Conversation on the Fight Network. I'm Don Henderson, and our normal group of uh, contestants are right with us. Roy Cummings is in Tampa. Daryl Ledbetter is going to be in Atlanta. Mike Schulte is going to be in Tampa. 
Mike Simzak is going to be in Baltimore, and Doug Hamilton is going to be in Washington, D.C. So we'll talk a lot of golf, baseball, basketball, everything that's happening in the world of sports. And we'll start off with Roy, but I'll just tell you very quickly, the Brewers, I think everybody knows, beat the Phillies or the Mets this afternoon 6 nothing, And Washington, unbelievably, beat the Braves by the score of 3-2. to two. So status quo in the National <laughs> League East, the Mets remain one game ahead. Another quick note, Maury Wills, the greatest space dealer in my time, 89 years of age, passed away last night. And over the weekend, Gil Hodges' wife, who was, I believe, 93, also passed away in our best wishes to their families in total. Roy, we'll bring you in. Uh, a couple John, of things we have to one talk more. about. Go ahead. John, we have one more. <laughs> we have one more. We have a staff of uh, physicians that help us out from time to time. Uh, one of them was uh, Dr. Rich Bash. Uh, he's the uh, chief of radiology at uh, Sarasota Memorial. Uh, Dr. John Culp, who's chief of internal medicine and, and cardiology. Uh, Craig Harkop, who's chief of inhalation therapy. Uh, Andy Azadian from family practice. And uh, Joe Lobucker from, from uh, um, <clears throat> family practice. Unfortunately, last night I got the news that uh, – Rich uh, 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 died in, in his sleep, and uh, we um, want to send our, our very best wishes out to the uh, uh, to Dr. Bash's uh, family. Uh, they're all good people, and um, they live right here. Uh, so we wanted to say uh, how sorry we are for their loss. Absolutely. The best of all of them here. as well. We feel badly about that, as everybody else does as well, Frank. That's our executive executive producer, Frank Carroll, gets us on and off on time, hopefully, and always has a major contribution during the course of the show. And So let's go to Roy down in Tampa right now. A couple of things we can talk about. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'll quickly tell you that the Rays are ahead one nothing in their game tonight against the Astros, and uh, I know we'll talk about the Phillies a little bit later. Roger will have a comment or two about that. Given 18 runs last night, but Roy, uh, I'll let you kick it off. Uh, let's start with the Bucks because uh, they had an unusual game on Sunday. Yeah, not unusual for you know Buccaneers history, really. I mean, uh, it kind of it, it was kind of you know followed a pattern that uh, most Bucks fans are have become accustomed to over the years. I mean, that was a that was a game taken right out of the Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, John Lynch days uh, when back in the day that defense used to say, "Give us 17 points, and we'll take care of the rest." and uh, uh, that's kind of how the defense has played the first couple of weeks, and it's kind of how it's had to play because the offense under Tom Brady is not quite, uh, certainly not firing on all cylinders. Now, obviously, injuries have something to do with that, um, but uh, they've got a tough task ahead of them this week uh, in Green Bay, obviously, and without Mike Evans, uh, maybe without Julio Jones, maybe without Chris Godwin again, um, they're missing some pieces, and uh, particularly up front, although the line's actually given Tom Brady some pretty good protection but um they were uh, they had a tough assignment last week in new orleans took them a couple took them three quarters to really kind of you know find their uh find their way offensively but uh, thankfully that defense is uh is firing on all cylinders that that group is really playing well so uh we'll see how how they handle uh, uh aaron Rodgers. but uh, that that should be an interesting game this week uh, how the bucks handle being without uh, their best receiver and mike evans and um can the offense get going, and can the defense keep up playing, continue to play at the level it has so far? Ten sacks, well, leading the league in 
uh, yards against, uh, points against. So they're playing extremely well on that side of the ball, that's for sure. Just before I quickly get to Roger in Atlanta, and that would be uh, uh, they were going to appeal. Uh, Evans was going to appeal his suspension because of the problem on Sunday with a little extra roughing penalty. Uh, any word on that, or did they give it up? Give that up? Oh yeah. Well, it's been the the the, uh, the suspension has been upheld. Uh, he did appeal, uh, but the appeal did not go through. Uh, he did not win anything off of that. The suspension has been upheld, so he will be out of Sunday's game. Okay, Roger, we're up to you. Yeah, following up on that, uh, you know, you've probably seen that there's some of the players are complaining about the uh, penalties given out by Vice President of Football Operations John Runyon, former Congressman John Runyon, uh, whose son's a guard on the Packers. And uh, they feel that uh, that's not uh, really fair uh, to have your son playing on a team and then you're dishing out the penalties to, to players on other teams. What happens, you know, if it came to uh, the Packers? What do you think about that, Roy, Don, and Frank? Well, you know, I'll say this. I mean, it, it, the panel included Derek Brooks, who's with the Buccaneers. So maybe they, you know, maybe, it, you know, they cancel each other out. You would hope that these guys are going to look, look at it objectively. And, and I think they did at the end of the day. They did not make – Runyon did not make the ruling. The ruling was made by another uh, judge, at least a three-man panel. And, oh, um, yeah, he just, he just gave the – put the ruling – he made the ruling initially. He's the one yeah. that, that uh, declares the penalties. Right. But, you know, I, I'm not yeah. surprised because look, there's a history between Mike Evans and Deshaun Latt- and Sean Lattimore about uh, – they've gone after each other several times already. In this case, Mike Evans came off the field, you know, came, came off the field uh, to get involved in that, uh, in that fracas. And, uh, you know, he really stirred it up. And uh, I'm not surprised that, that he got the penalty. I think it's a just penalty. Um, I think he, he earned the suspension. And he's got to, you know, cooler heads are going to have to prevail there if, uh, if he's not going to, uh, you know, hurt his team. So, you know, he's always well, had Roy, don't you also Don't moment. you also think he was trying to protect Brady a little bit because he was the one that first, got into the verbal confrontation, and then Brady was taking a couple of steps forward, and that's when Evans came in and jumped in. I, I, I thought that had some bearing on it. Tom Brady doesn't need anybody to protect him, and he certainly doesn't need Mike <laughs> Evans to protect him when he's got a whole offensive line out there on the field already. That's a bunch of malarkey. He came off the field with an intent to hurt the guy, and he should have. I mean, he's lucky he didn't get. He only got a one-game suspension. I'm believe. sure they told him next time it's going to be three. So watch yourself. And he really needs to. Again, this is not the first time these two guys have gone after each other, and it's and it had and it has nothing to do with what he's saying to Tom Brady. My guess is Mike Evans. And look, I love Mike Evans. He's a great player, a uh, great kid. And uh, but one one guy gets his goat. There is no question about it. It's uh, it's Lattimore, and and he just. You know, he just he, he sees red. When he sees Lattimore, he sees red, and these two guys fight each other along all the time. Usually it's Evans who, who uh, starts these altercations. It has been every time. And um, as I said, he's got he's to, you know, he's got to have a cooler head on the field or he's going to hurt his team. He heard it back. He almost heard it on Sunday because he earned, a, you know, mm-hmm. a, a suspension from the game as well. You know, he got kicked out of the game. So, uh, right. you know, he's missing a game and a half here. He's fortunate uh, that his team uh, rallied without him uh, last week, but uh, they're going to have a hard time rallying without him this week, I think. I, I can't let that. The one thing that uh, 
I thought they were going to get uh, uh, what the heck's this kid's name? Fournier, For, uh, Fortnoy, what's Fournette? What's that guy's name? Fortnoy. Fournette. Fournette. Yeah, Fournette, I thought they were going yeah. to get Fournette because he was he was making the advances before Mike Evans did. And yeah, you know, if you look at thing, it, but it's from, one thing, Frank. To, it's one thing to, to be jawing at each other, which you know Brady was involved in, Lattimore was, Fournette yeah. was, several guys were. It's another thing, as I said, to come off the field and to start and, and to go there and basically attack a guy, which is what he did. Right. Um, mm-hmm. He went in there looking to start a fight. Even if anybody, you know, I'm not surprised that nobody else is suspended because they were on the field. Those kind of altercations right. do take place now and then. And right. usually it takes, you know, quite a lot. It's going to take somebody pulling somebody's helmet off and swinging it at them for somebody to get a suspension mm-hmm. in a situation like that. They don't condone fighting, but at the same time, right. Um, they're going to let it go if you're on the field and you just happen to be in the heat of the moment. Uh, Evans right. came off, came from off the field uh, and, and took that altercation to another level, and that was his intention. Roger, before I go back to you, I, I gotta, I gotta just have a laugh with, with Roy here because uh, he's been a strong believer in the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints after all the problems in Philadelphia. Showed his stripes again this Sunday, Roy. Well, you know what happened with uh, Jameis Winston is what happened with Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay for four years. He got behind by more than a score. He was trying to make things happen on an offense that didn't have one of its best players, and Alvin Kamara, uh, missing one of its better receivers as well. Uh, He tried to squeeze the ball in there a couple of times, and he got picked off. You know, it happens throughout the league. You know, it does happen to Jameis Winston a lot because he he constantly plays for teams that can't support his, uh, uh, his, his, his team's offense. Um, you know, the week before, he brought his team back and won a game. So, um, yes, uh, this is uh, kind of Jameis Winston's uh, uh, calling card. It's his legacy at this point. But at the end of the day, I'll still say this. Most quarterbacks uh, down two scores in a game late in the fourth quarter with, uh, you know, low on uh, on numbers in terms of uh, playmakers on their side of the ball are going to end up uh, making play, you know, trying to make plays they shouldn't and they're going to pay for it. It happens all the time in the league. Yes, it happens to Jameis Winston a lot, but I'd say over the last six years, uh, he's been in more situations where he's had to try to make those plays and not, and that's why it's happened. Roger, your Atlanta franchise is struggling a little bit along the way, too. Yeah, well, the, uh, we'll talk to uh, about the Falcons with Darrell, but the uh, I just wanted to say uh, quickly with the uh, the Bucks. Uh, Roy, do you think there's going to be uh, more fines coming about from uh, about uh, concerning Sunday's game, uh, well, or is it a, a, a moot, moot issue now? No, I think it's over. I think it's over. Whatever fines were going to be levied have been levied by now. Um, the players will find out. They would they would have found out today, um, and there may have been some that haven't been reported. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, you know if everybody involved in that uh, altercation. Uh, ends up getting fined. Brady could get fined. Fournette could get fined. Lattimore should, probably should get fined. Um, but, you know, big difference between fines and uh, and suspensions. But the other thing the Bucks have to watch out for, guys, is that, uh, interestingly, uh, and I'm sure everybody's kind of noticed it, uh, Bruce Arians is hanging around on the sidelines there. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he had a little hand in this as well. I mean, he was jaw-jacking with, uh, with Lattimore as well and uh, kind of sparking some of this, uh, you know, some of this controversy. And uh, he's mm-hmm. in a position where, you know, executives of his, of his kind at this point, he's not a coach anymore, 
uh, are seldom uh, around. There, there's this big, thick, white stripe that everybody but the head coach is supposed to stay behind. Well, he's not a coach, and he was mm-hmm. out there in that zone and uh, and getting involved, uh, you know, uh, you know, harping at, uh, at officials, harping at players, um, things like that. So I, I think the Bucks, uh could be facing another fine in that regard uh, eventually, and maybe even a suspension as well. I, I'll be surprised if he's on the sidelines this week um, because I think, you know, the league's obviously looked into it already. They sent a letter saying that, um, you know, expressing their, their desire that uh, these, this thing get taken care of, and the Bucks have apparently said, okay, we're going to take care of it. Um, but I, So I, I'll be a little bit surprised if, um, if he's given a field pass this week for, uh, for that area. I'll be, I'll be surprised if that happens. Before we run out of time with Roy, I want to switch over to baseball because, you know, we're in a home stretch now, last 10, 12 games of the season. And uh, status quo, as I said at the top of the show, the National League East, both teams losing the Mets and the Braves this afternoon. And uh, uh, MLB is supposed to break in every time Judge comes to the plate. Well, I haven't seen it yet uh, that he's broken in. I don't know whether he's been to the plate yet or not, but I'm watching it the uh, uh, Rays game, and I, I have not seen the break-in for Judge with the 60 home runs, and it was a big story, of course, in the post that they're not going to make any channel changes uh, in terms of the channels that are supposed to broadcast the games, will broadcast the games, and if you have to be in New York on Friday and, and you don't have direct to stream TV or whatever, you're not going to see it. There's a lot of controversy about that, but... Uh, Roy, what do you think? Is that the Rays have, uh, have struggled, struggled, and struggled. Uh, they're up one nothing right now in the, in the top of the fifth inning against Houston. They're, they're trying to keep their feet in the water. Yeah, they are. It's uh, It's been tough. I think they're going to be okay because the team that has to catch them uh, is Baltimore. The team that could catch them is Baltimore. And, I, and Baltimore is now four games behind the Rays in the wild card race. I, the Rays aren't going to win the division. I don't think that's going to happen. They had their shot. We got within three and a half games uh, with games against New York and, and couldn't quite uh, finish it off. And then they, then they had a, a, a tough weekend last weekend. So um, it, it could still change. We still got two weeks here, but uh, I think they're going to be fine for the wild card. I don't think the Orioles are going to catch them because it seems like the Orioles are kind of running out of gas here. Um, you know, you've, so really to me, the only races are in the NL East, obviously, as you pointed out, and in the AL Central. And here's uh, Aaron Judge right now coming up. MLB Network is showing the Yankees game um, kind of right on through. Uh, and uh, so Judge is coming to bat now. But, um, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at these two home run races uh, here. Uh, Judge chasing uh, Roger Maris. He's already, uh, you know, matched uh, Babe Ruth's number at 60 homers. And, and you got uh, Albert Pujols pushing for 700. I mean, I hope they both get him. I think it's going to happen pretty soon here. So we'll see. But um, it's, you know, as always, there's an exciting finish to baseball, even if uh, the majority of the races are pretty much decided. Roger, uh, Ruben Marrow was on MLB this afternoon for the entire afternoon uh, uh, sports show right up until 7 o'clock. Uh, interesting, uh, his conversations about the Phillies. Uh, I know you want to get back to the Eagles and talk about the uh, very strong recognition for the Eagles, but uh, Ruben Barrett did a terrific job on MLB this afternoon and uh, talked about the Phillies and uh, what's happening there, and there's a lot of problems. Well, oh, yeah, well, there are. They they can't beat a good team, okay? And that's been a problem throughout the season, and we talked about it uh, a number of times. 
and we'll get to that. But, Roy, uh, we have to talk about the performance of the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night. I'll tell you what, you talk about a team that came to play, and, I mean, they're getting all kinds of uh, accolades now, including from Jeff uh, Satterley, or Saturday, but uh, the uh, former uh, center for the Colts. Uh, he says they are the best team in the NFC. What do you think about that based on Monday night? Well, you know, they, they, they've looked very good, obviously. I wouldn't say they're the best. Um, I think there's a couple of teams that are out there that are still better. Um, I think the Rams could be better. Uh, I think the Buccaneers are better. Um, certainly have the better quarterback, more seasoned quarterback. I think they've got the better uh, receiving core when everybody's healthy, and I think they've got the better defense. Um, you know, we'll see how it shakes out, but um, look, they were dominant and completely dominant, totally in control. If it's possible to be in complete command of a game that's 24 to 7, a 17-point lead, you know, that's, it's sizable, but it's not like you, you beat them 30, you know, 42 to, to, to 4. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you got to say that was as dominant a performance as you're going to see for a team that only scored 24 points. So I, I got to say, yeah, and, and look, uh, the Vikings are not a, a slouch. I, I think they've got, you know, they've had designs on the on the playoffs, and, and well, they should. Um, but um, you know what? The, the Eagles look very good. Uh, Jalen Hurts looks exceptionally strong. I like the receiving core. The defense is solid. Uh, the offensive line, I think, is much improved. And I think they've got a really good idea how they want to, you know, move the ball under with Hurts. Uh, there, there's a lot of threats in that offense. They can do a lot of different things. You saw it on uh, on Monday night, and uh, yeah, they're going to be a they're going to be a test. Now, look, they're going to get upset at some point. I, I, I won't be surprised at all if, you know, they if they lose to the Giants, uh, the Commanders, and and Dallas at some point. Um, but. Uh, yeah, they're they're a contender. There's no doubt about it. Uh, as long as they stay healthy, they are a team to watch and a, and a serious threat um, to, to the NFC Championship. Uh, they, they they will certainly be in that uh, in that mix. Were you well, surprised at the poor performance that Dallas put on in the first game? Were you surprised with losing their quarterback that they were able to come back and win the next week? You know, I wasn't because I think Dallas is a pretty good football team overall. Obviously, things didn't go their way. Uh, against Tampa in the opener, really frustrated again by Tampa's defense, which has frustrated two teams now. Uh, two, what most people looked at is two pretty good offensive teams, uh, Dallas and, and New Orleans. Say what you want about Jameis Winston, but again, without even without Alvin Kamara, I mean that's a pretty there's a, there's a potential there for that team to score a lot of points. But Tampa really shut them down. So no, I wasn't that surprised. Um, you know, to me, that's a that's a sign of Mike McCarthy uh, getting rallying the troops and saying, "All right, look, we don't have our quarterback, but that doesn't mean we don't have the you know the wherewithal to win win a football game. We should be able to win a football game here with what we've got." And you know, Cooper Rush looked pretty darn good. So um, you know, a lot of times you're only as good as the guy uh, behind your starter. And uh, if Cooper Rush is going to play that kind of football, well, they can probably get through these uh, few weeks here without uh, Dak Prescott. So we'll see how it goes. I still think that with the two running backs in Dallas, that they're going to be just fine offensively, and I think their defense is strong enough too. So um, not surprised at all that they won, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they stay above 500, uh, even without Prescott. Roy, another great week. Thank you very, very much as always. You you know what I was going to say, Don? Let's hold Roy on for a couple of minutes, 
and bring Daryl Ledbetter on so Daryl can enlighten us about the Falcons and uh, that almost that great comeback win. D-Led, how are you? Hey, Roger, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Always, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, so we got so good uh, to hear your old buddy man. Roy Cummings. Yeah, Roy's on with us. Roy Cummings, yeah, your old buddy. Yeah, great, great to be on with all of you, and especially uh, uh, Roy, good friend there on the program. Good to hear from you, Daryl. How's things in the, how's things in Atlanta? Uh, things are great. We're actually out in Seattle, um, the Falcon State out west. Smart move on their part. Hey, Daryl, I'm going to say just after two weeks, this is going to be a bold and brash statement. After two weeks, I think you might be better off without Matt Ryan. Am I, am I going too far with that? Um, it looks like they got it timed up. Uh, they timed it up correctly here. He's still having problems. Um, uh, you know, arm issues were, were one of the concerns, and looks like uh, that might be a problem here early on. I'm, I don't want to write him off um, this early in the season, but, uh, uh, you know, as guys get older, sometimes you got to cut bait. And looks like they may have uh, timed it up right. Daryl, as you well know, the biggest, the biggest job, most important job of an NFL general manager is to gauge when a player is going to hit the wall and get rid of him just before he does. I'm with you. I'm not ready to write off Matt Ryan. I think he'll be fine eventually, but it's hard to argue with the decision to let him go at this point. Um, I'm not saying Marcus Mariota is going to be exceptionally better, but, uh, you know, he does give you a chance to win, I think. But, you know, boy, it's got to be tough. The first week you had a, you were in a position to win and, you know, you, and, and you lose again. It seems like the Falcons just can't seem to get over that, uh, that, that, that bugaboo of, of, of giving up, uh, game you know losing games late yeah it's a it's a matter of um i think the young team being able to put a whole game together uh you know they 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 went out and played a, a half a little bit over a half against the saints and then same thing against the rams you know the rams punch them in the mouth and then they figure out a way to uh, uh you know sustain that overcome that and put together a good quarter or so but you know the good teams play for play for the whole four quarters, and uh, uh, when you're young and learning how to play in the NFL, you, you see these wild swings, especially early in the season. You know, with nobody practicing and so forth in the off season anymore. So it's just a matter of him uh, putting it together. And once you see it, you know that they can do it. It's a matter of them going back out there and doing it again. Roger. Yeah, the one thing I was going to say about uh, Matt Ryan, uh, what I looked at uh, on that game Sunday, he got sacked a number of times again. And uh, that bugaboo just does not seem, even going to the Colts, that doesn't seem to uh, improve at all. And I just I just wonder, they were supposedly to have a good <laughs> offensive line, but now I'm wondering how good it is. What do you fellas think? Well, I'll, I'll leave you guys with this. You're, you're right. And, and, look, one of the reasons that I think Matt Ryan is no longer in Atlanta is behind a young offensive line, uh, he's just not very mobile. And unlike uh, – I mean, he's got, he's got a quick release. He knows when to get rid of the ball. But, you know, if you have an, an issue with receivers getting open and uh, the, the offense is not really designed for quick strikes, uh, you're gonna you're gonna take some sacks, and and I think that's what he's that's kind of the situation he's in there is 
they've got to modify that offense a little bit, let him get the ball out quicker. You're not going to roll him out. That's not going to happen. But um, when you get to this point, uh, he's never been a real mobile quarterback anyway. Uh, but, you know, lack of mobility and, 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 and a kind of a shaky offensive line at times and a system that uh, is requiring you to step back a little bit and, and, and let that line protect you, it can lead to trouble. And I think that's kind of part of what's happening. Daryl, uh, am I wrong, or, or, or what do you see? Um, I, I, he's been trained not to force the ball into bad situations. So that was uh, go all the way goes all the way back to Bill Musgrave and Mike Malarkey. So if his guys aren't open, he's going to go to the fourth read, the fifth read, the sixth read. And you don't really have time for that. Well, there isn't a six read. Only five players are out in the pattern. <laughs> but, um, you know, <laughs> Daryl, the six read is take the sack. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that's, maybe that's the six read is to get out of there and, and run. And he that's not well, his thing. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, not having the receivers to create the separation and, uh, you know, and I haven't seen those games. We did have somebody at the first game. Uh, but, you know, the little highlights I saw uh, may suggest that he's not seeing guys open, and that's why he won't throw the ball. Roy, before you go, one quick yes or no answer. Has there been much said so far about Sinclair and Valley and the fact that there's uh, close to bankruptcy in baseball, Major League Baseball, hockey, and basketball are going to take over the television networks. Has there been anything written about that in, in Tampa so far? Uh, not that I've seen, no. Um, but I'm, I got to believe that it's going to be coming soon. There's probably going to be a pretty good, uh, extensive uh, review of that situation. So I'd look for it. But uh, as of now, we haven't seen much. No. Okay, Roger, go to it. Well, they, uh, listen, Roy. We won't keep you. We appreciate it. I know it's uh, about dinner time. And uh, <laughs> but as always, thank you and uh, have a great week. Thanks for having thank me. You, as always, guys. Uh, Daryl, great catching up with you, my friend. Uh, Good luck this season. Have fun with it. All right. Thank take you, Take care, Roy. partner. All right, my brother. Take care. Thanks. Take care. Uh, hey, Daryl, you know, I was thinking about the, the old days uh, when you and I were out there at uh, sometimes the two of us and sometimes you alone at Mike Smith's press conferences. But almost every year they were competitive and, uh, and in the playoffs. And what a difference. It's got to be – you've been there for all this time, and it's got to – it must be, like, frustrating sometimes when you just think about a few years ago uh, that team was in the Super Bowl. Yeah, no question about it, uh, Roger. It's different. Um, uh, but, you know, early on in my career, I had the uh, pleasure of covering the Bengals. <laughs> and uh, they were coming up a Super Bowl loss, too. And um, oh, you know, went to Dave right. Shula after went to Dave Shula after Sam Weish, and uh, you know, they, they, those are some pretty bleak years. So you know that the ebb and flow of the season is, uh, you know, just trying to get better and develop players, and that's what they're trying to do here in Atlanta and become relevant again. Uh, so you know, it's a different uh, posture that you take with a team like this that's trying to develop and grow than one that's trying to compete for the Super Bowl trophy. Yeah, absolutely. And, Don, I have to uh, let you know that uh, uh, one of Daryl's daughters uh, is an anchor uh, over in Augusta, Georgia, and uh, doing very well. 
and in the photos with father, just the two of them just stand out. What a great uh, looking pair they are. And she's no, congratulations, Daryl. You got to be so proud. She's doing so well. Yeah, well, thank you, Roger. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, she's doing a great job. We're really proud of the work she's doing down in Augusta. And, uh, uh, yeah, thanks for those kind words about my daughter and uh, and especially about me looking good uh, on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do, you know. I told you, the uh, you know, you're, you're the best. But getting back to, uh, to football, I just, you know, I feel bad. I mean, I see all these highlights and talk to uh, Fred Khalil. Of course, you know, he's out covering the Braves, too, and they're having another great season. And, of course, uh, you know, Georgia's back at number one. So uh, we'll see if that stands up. But I think it very well could be uh, with some, some of these teams that some of these high-powered uh, big big teams from the big conferences are playing are, like, ridiculous as far as competitors go. But uh, do you see the Falcons? Uh, I like Arthur Smith, okay? And do you see them uh, turning the corner later in the season as they mature and continue to grow with Marietta? Mariota? Um, it's going to be tough, um, uh, Roger. A lot of variables got to come together. Uh, they're going to have a good plan. They're going to uh, go out and play. But, yeah, there's a lot of young players. And, yeah, you know, they, they will have a chance to finish the season strong, whether it's Mariota at the helm or Desmond Ritter. But, yeah, there's enough here to, to you know, you want to see growth and development over the long haul. And, and so far they, you know, uh, are pointing in that direction. Well, Daryl, you got the Braves, as Roger just said, but you also have University of Georgia. And they – South Carolina did not deserve to be on the same field last week with Georgia. Uh, no, they didn't. Felt bad for old uh, Shane Beamer, Coach uh, Coach Frank's son, and uh, uh, you know he's got to get some players over there. Georgia's been doing a great job of getting players in the Athens, and um, you know they they're up there with the elites now. Uh, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. And, uh, we'll see if Clemson can make it back, and you know, uh, you know, it's okay to have talent, but you got to be able to get them to play. It looks like Coach Kirby Smart is getting them to, to play some good football, also. Well, well another know. team has got a great shot, and Michigan's going to roll because they got a chance to be six and zero. When you look at their three and zero now, and you look at the rest of their next three game schedule, they 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 can win those three walking away. So. I agree with you, Rod. You and Roger. I think Georgia's going to be right there. It's going to be Alabama, or Georgia when uh, when it comes down to October, end of October, November. Well, you know, there yeah, was no, another, no question. Uh, go ahead, no, go ahead, Daryl. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I'm hearing that Michigan's got a better team than Ohio State, also. So yeah, that might be a, a something to keep an eye on. You know, there was a story, uh, well, I guess it's a pretty big story, uh, really, uh, about uh, Brett Favre, okay, with uh, what some, uh, I guess, I don't know what was in investments or uh, some misleading uh, affairs. And, you know, you covered the Packers back in that day when Brett was there. Uh, Do you know anything or have you heard anything about that? I heard it last week, uh, I think, on an NFL radio. Yeah, we've been following that down south, and uh, it's what uh, situation where 
he wanted the money from the state that was earmarked for welfare recipients in the poorest state in the union, Mississippi, to go to Southern Mississippi's University of Southern Mississippi's uh, volleyball project where they were trying to build a volleyball arena for the team that his daughter played on. So that that's oh. what, you know nobody's gonna say you know who wants you know. Uh, blame him for wanting the best for his kids, but to want to take the money away from the poor people of Mississippi uh, and the governor be in cahoots with him just as, you know, uh, is revolting uh, and, and, uh, you know, probably criminal on some level. Oh, okay. So that's what it was all about was that investment into the uh, volleyball court. And, And that is wrong. I mean, when that money was to go to the poor people, just like you said, I mean, you know, they can get enough uh, big contributors uh, for these big universities to uh, take care of programs like that, I'm sure. I mean, look at what they did it, uh, over at Athens. Never cost the state a penny, right, For their when they uh, built a new football complex. Yeah, you got supporters and uh, boosters, uh, you know, that, that want to pour money into the program and, you know, want to see the program successful. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, if he wanted to be a fundraiser, I think it could have been real easy to, you know, ask some of his uh, NFL buddies to chip in and and come up with the money and and, and let the folks that needed it more um, have their funds, uh, you know, not have them impeded by a, a state project. The uh, you're up in Seattle. Uh, how's things going? I guess they're the uh, game Sunday against uh, uh, the Seahawks and. Uh, uh, what do you think? Uh, how do you think this game will turn out? This is a good matchup for the Falcons. The uh, Seahawks are, um, uh, you know, in the rebuild mode too, just like uh, the Falcons. They got rid of Russell Wilson, like the Falcons got rid of Matt Ryan, and uh, you know they got Geno Smith though as their bridge quarterback. Uh, uh, you know they they they're one and one. The Falcons are zero and two. They, uh, you know, they should be 0-2, but the Denver coach melted down in his first game, didn't uh, go for the first down there, uh, had two fumbles on the one-yard line. So, um, you know, this is, a, this is a matchup of two teams that weren't expected to do a great deal, Roger. The uh, 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 Seahawks were projected to go 5-5. Uh, five and five. That's their over-under, and the Falcons and the Texans are the only teams under them with a 4.5 over and under win total for this year. So uh, this is a winnable game for uh, the Falcons. We'll see if they can pull it off on Sunday. Well, uh, what interesting thing happened in Cleveland with the Jets last week. The Jets in Cleveland last 99.9% on the gambling chart that uh, 13 points ahead with two minutes to go. Cleveland could not lose. <laughs> And Jet proved the the Diamond Boys wrong. Yeah, yeah, they had a little help from the Cleveland running backs who decided to run out of bounds. Uh, one of them, uh, Kareem Hunt, and then another one who decided to score a touchdown instead of falling down. And Nick Chubb. So, um, you know, just smart situational football is what the coaches talk about. Uh, they bailed the Jets out. Jets got the onside kick and Joe Flacco, and they blew it covered. So. They did everything. We've seen some wild stuff here early in the season. <laughs> yeah, well, well the Jets wrong. didn't have any time. Jets had no timeouts left. If he doesn't go in the end zone, if he just kneels down, the game's over. But, unfortunately, he didn't do that. He went to the end zone, scored the touchdown, and 
gave the Jets a chance to come back and win. Going back to college football for a moment, then at the fourth, uh, you got some great quarterbacks playing college football right now, but you got one at Georgia that's right in the mold. Yes, uh, um, Stetson Bennett, he's uh, one of the guys that, you know, he's, it's a bizarre story. The fans who, uh, you know, if you don't know it, Google Stetson Bennett. He, you know, basically told to go to junior college. Uh, you know, he came back to, to Georgia, you know, just to kind of carry the clipboard there. Uh, ends up being the quarterback. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, while they're bringing in five-star recruits after five-star recruits, you know, Justin Fields, uh, uh, you know, DeWan Mathis, uh, you know, uh, uh, and there's some there now, Carson Beck. They're out recruiting Arch Manning's son, or Little Arch, uh, the grandson. They didn't get him. But, uh, uh, you know, and this kid, all he does, uh, once he got in the game, started winning, led him to the national championship, and back for a uh, sixth season, and uh, it's off to a great start here for the Georgia Bulldogs. Now they uh, are talking about him maybe even being a pro prospect, former walk-on and transferee to the Georgia Military School. So we'll see, uh, you know, if he can continue to win and uh, help take Georgia back into the, um, you know, national playoff picture. Well, he's going five straight games now with that interception uh, going back to last year. And uh, so it's going to be interesting this week. They got a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, line going this week. Yeah, no yeah, question they, about it. Uh, you know they are um, they're going to get challenged here as we move on into the SEC play, and we'll see how he holds up then. Roger. Well, Darrell, listen. Uh, I know it's like dinner time out there <laughs> on the West Coast in Seattle. So uh, you take care. I have a. I hope a, it's a, the Falcons come away uh, with a win. It's always great talking to you. And we love love it. And uh, be safe. And well, you know, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks, hopefully, and uh, we'll have a better on the league by then. Let me let me All ask right. you, Dell, one last question: Yes or no? Are the Braves going to win the National League East, or are they going to stay where they are? <laughs> I'm going to go with the yes. Okay. okay. I think you might be right. I think you may be right. Roger, go to it. Okay, Darrell, take care. Be safe. Take care. Thank you. All Bye now. Roger. Bye-bye. Don, you know, and Frank, Don, you brought up, I didn't see it. I was working today. But the uh, talk about what you said about before Mike Schulte comes on, what did uh, Larry Boas say about the Phillies? I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't I hear anything. What, uh, what did uh, Ruben Amaro say about the Phillies? Oh, he just talked. You know, he talked about the same thing we've talked about all year: the inconsistency, the lack of the bullpen. Uh, he said that uh, Wheeler has to be 100. percent He can't be partially injured. I didn't know that he was partially injured, but uh, or I had some problems that uh, on the injury side. I didn't know that. And, and he was uh, on the IL for a couple, uh, three weeks, I think. Yeah, and he said that he's got to be 100. percent uh, and if that were to be the case, the three pitchers that they have could make some noise. But, uh, you know, the fact that they're so inconsistent, the bullpen is so weak, the defense is still not good. And he said, you know, you have to have consistency, and they don't have that. Either they make errors, or they don't hit, or they strike out, or they don't have a bullpen, or the starting pitchers go long enough. He was pretty, very, very straightforward about all the things we've talked about all season. Yeah, did he say anything hey, about uh, Syndergaard? 
No. Don, we got not that, not that I heard. Yeah, he's in the bullpen. And uh, and Bailey Falter is uh, is starting the lineup now. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, I was just saying we have mics ready to go. Oh, okay. Mike's ready. Mike, to go. Mike, Mike Schultz. Mike Schultz is ready yep. to go. Okay. Yep. Yes, sir. Reliant West Bowl. We've got it for you, Mike. This week we're not going to mess up. <laughs> the name of the bowl, New Year, not New Year's Day, but the second day of the year this year. Usually the first day of the year, but this year because of the calendar and pro football, it's going to be on the second day. Also, uh, <clears throat> Mike Schulte, director of publicity for the bowl uh, for so many years. And also, we can't talk too much about tickets because that's going to be a couple of weeks down the line. I think, if I remember correctly, you said the end of October. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You got it. Did our homework, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what did you think think of the second week? Well, there's a big week of college football coming up, huh? What did you think about it? Well, uh, another exciting week, man. What, uh, that, that's college football. I mean, I mean, it's just you don't go by a week. Uh, you know, the old saying in our office is, uh, you know, every week something happens you don't expect. And uh, doggone it, uh, <laughs> I think it's been every week this year so far, sure, certainly. Uh, a lot of surprises, a lot of uh, very interesting outcomes, and, and the very exciting games down the wire. So, um, I mean, just uh, just a lot of fun. Uh, on Saturdays this year so far, and uh, I'm looking forward to another another fun one this Saturday too. There's a lot of really um, intriguing matchups coming up this weekend, and uh, I can't wait to see how they uh, how they come out. Roger, yeah, I'll tell you there were some great games. Uh, I brought up in the last seg- uh, segment, Mike, uh, but some of these power teams are playing some real weak teams. And uh, I'm just really surprised. I mean, I know, uh, uh, you know, what the deal is, the money situation, but don't you think, well, look at the South Carolina-Georgia game, and South Carolina's in the SEC, but they're obviously in a rebuild. Uh, But uh, some of these other teams, Kent State, uh, does that really do the the team any good? I mean, does Kent State and the other teams good because – uh, the money, but uh, how about as far as the the uh, rankings go? Well, you know, they may not help them that much in the rankings, but you know, the, I mean, we've also seen. I mean, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we would have said, uh, you know, why is Texas A and M playing App State at home? Uh, mm-hmm. Why, you know, why why is uh, um, you know why is Notre Dame playing Marshall? Uh, and look what happens. So I'm not saying that happens all the time, but. You know, there, you know, football is a funny game, and you know, in, in a given year, I wouldn't say a given game necessarily every time, but in a given year, there's, you know, a, a team, you know, a major a power team, if you will, you know, they can run into a, a buzzsaw of a, of a, a smaller division team, if you will, and uh, and that's pretty darn exciting. But you know, I, I think part of it too is, you know, this this tr- the tradition of college football of of you know, schools playing, you know, a lot of different types of schools and giving some of these other schools that aren't as notable, you know, opportunity to be able to, you know, to play a big opponent. Um, you know, that's a big deal for them and their programs, not, not just the money, but, 
you know, the ability to attract kids that they can, you know, have that experience and so forth. So I'm okay with it. You know, it's not like these guys are all playing, you know, uh, the sisters of the poor every week, you know, they, you know, they all play, you know, one or two games that, you know, they're going to be a heavy favorite, but like you said, even in conference, sometimes you're, you know, you're a heavy favorite. I mean, shoot Alabama's favorite, no matter who they play. So, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that they, you know, might play a team that, you know, give a, a shot at the team, you know, with kids that, you know, once in their career get a chance to actually go play it, play a team like Alabama. I mean, that's, that, that'll be a memory for, for a lifetime for those kids. So I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, um, they, these guys, especially a lot of these teams that we were talking about in the SEC, for instance, or Big Ten, they play a lot of really tough games all, all year. Um, you know, they can they can have a couple games that that you know are you know a little bit easier for them. And and you know, like I said, it's it's it doesn't really hurt anybody. I don't think. Well, maybe a good game this week, maybe the Clemson. We talked about it in the last half hour. Clemson Wake Forest. Uh, Clemson a seven point favorite. Uh, but Clemson, uh, are they really the team that could be uh, in the top five teams in the ratings, or are they a little bit back from where they were a couple of years ago, but even last year by the end of the season? Uh, your thoughts on Clemson? Well, you know, I haven't seen them too much yet, but I, you know, I, I think they're, you know, I, I think Clemson has become sort of like Alabama in that people sort of just assume, oh, every year they're going to be like the top top three team. And they're right. going to be in the playoffs every year because they, you know, they had a stretch there where they sort of were, you know, and uh, you know, so uh, you know, you know, every team falls off a little bit. I mean, we get you, you know, we get sort of spoiled by a, a team like an, an Alabama who doesn't ever seem to fall off that much. Um, but you know, I, I think you know, Clemson obviously last year was not you know as good as they had been the, the previous few years, and but I think that they're better. It seemed like they're they're better this year. Uh, than last year, they're not going to have that kind of repeat, and uh, you know they're right up there. But at the same time, you know North Carolina and and uh, Wake Forest and some of these guys, you know they're pretty good too. They're you know and and even Florida State, even though they've they've sort of you know been gotten a little bit lucky too. Uh, but you know good teams you know sometimes create their own luck too. So you know, but they're certainly you know back you know uh, improving you know on the way back towards where they used to be. So you know if not there yet, so. I think, you know, Clemson's still a team to be reckoned with and, and, you know, they've, you know, they just got to go out and prove it. And if they can beat, you know, Wake Forest and North Carolina and a couple of these other guys in their league and, and do well, then they, they may earn uh, themselves another trip to the playoffs. But I think it's a little bit too early to tell if they're quite there yet, but I, I, it seems like they're, uh, they, they've definitely improved uh, on some of the issues they had last year. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some really good matchups this week. I, I think Florida, Tennessee is going to be very intriguing. Um, I think Tennessee, uh, you know, sort of smells, you know, blood in the water a little bit thinking, you know, this, this is going to be, you know, a year that they can get the Gators again, um, at their place and all that too. Um, uh, but you know, Florida has, you know, I mean, they, they, they're two and one, um, you know, they, you know, all three other games have been very, very close, including almost got upset by South Florida last week. Um, so, you know, it, it's going to be a very interesting game for them because they, you know, they, you know, they need to have a better game than they've played the last, you know, a couple of weeks, obviously. Um, ten and uh, a half but point they favorite they are. Ten and, and a half that, point favorite. Be, yeah. Yeah. But, that, you know, but that, you know, should they be, I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, they, 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 they really could have lost that uh, Utah game 
they they lost to, to Kentucky. Kentucky handled them pretty well, um, and then they, you know, South South Florida, you know, really controlled that game until the last, you know, a few minutes of the game. Um, and so, you know, I'm I'm just saying it's like you know they they haven't had the kind of game, you know, uh, you know, uh, for four quarters that you know I think they'd want to have, but I think they're going to need to do that against Tennessee because Tennessee, especially at home. Um, they're going to come after Florida, and and uh, and you know give them all they they can handle. I think so. That's that's why I say I think that's going to be a really fun game to watch and and see what happens there. And and you know there's I mean North Carolina's got a big game, uh, obviously with Notre Dame and and um, you know there's uh, some other big games out there as well. I think are going to be very intriguing this week. So uh, you know not everybody, not all the big big name schools are playing really big. Uh, name opponents this weekend, but there's plenty of, of good games, good matchups out there, I think, to follow that are going to be very interesting to see the outcomes. Bigger game for Notre Dame. They got to they gotta start winning. Yeah, they're up against the wall, aren't they? I mean, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't followed uh, to see where they are with their quarterback situation, um, see, see how that's uh, um, unfolding, but um, yeah, that, that obviously is, uh, you know, it's it's a, a, a pretty critical game for them, I think, if they want to get the season back on track. Roger? It's a bigger team for the coach, to... Mike. The, the Alumni, Association, Alumni Association, what's that? losing season at Notre Dame is 9-1. and one. And, you know, they're, they are very upset with uh, <laughs> yeah. the 0-3 start. And now uh, this last week's game, uh, Tommy Reese actually left the uh, left the box, came down on the field and just chastised uh, Payne uh, for his play. Well, the, the kid the kid's doing his best he can. He he did not have the reps that he should have had all summer. He did not have the the um, contact that he should have had uh, because he had all their eggs in this one basket. Now that one basket is down for the for the season. Yeah, and they're stuck with this kid. Um, who was coming along, but he really was demoralized before he yeah. went on that, that field. Yeah, so I think uh, uh, they've got to build the character back up, and if they don't, yeah, tough. then you're going to see – yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, no, I, I, you're right. I mean, that, that's a tough situation. By their one, by the way, they're one, in, they're one and two, not zero and three. But, but yeah. you know, they 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 are a uh, they're a a, a you know that's a tough situation for any backup quarterback to sort of be thrown into when he wasn't expecting it. And but that's injuries. That's part of football, and you just got to sort of work through it. And uh, you know all you can do is is try and uh, you know help him to get better each game and build some confidence. Um, you know I, I you know the one thing about North Carolina is they've shown that they're, they they'll give up points this year uh, at least so far. Mm-hmm. So um, you know maybe maybe he'll be able to have some success. Some success within this game, even if they don't win it, uh, maybe it'll be a game that he can get some confidence in and and uh, you know try and set himself up you know for the remainder of the season a little bit. So, uh, but but this is you know certainly going to be a tough one this this weekend for them. Well, remember, the Mac Pratt had a tough time. He had a tough time in, at, at North Carolina last year. They went right down to the to the last thirty seconds before he lost to Notre Dame and had a chance to beat them there, but didn't get it done. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, you know that, that 
you know, different players, different coaches this year. So, you know, you know, it's mm-hmm. uh, last year's last year. We'll, we'll have to see how, how they do this year. Roger. Yeah. yeah, you know, a game that I uh, was a little surprised, Mike, uh, but not the outcome necessarily, but the score uh, was the Penn State-Auburn game. I thought Auburn was going to be, uh, you know, pretty decent uh, this year, but I does that say that Penn State uh, is really uh, on the, the right road? Well, I, I I I think there's definitely some question marks with Auburn. Um, you know, they didn't. You know, like I said, they did not perform like people thought they would. I I, I sort of thought that Penn State probably was going to win that game, uh, just because I felt like they just had you know more consistency um, than uh, than Auburn did. Um, but um, Penn State definitely seems to be getting uh, better each week. Um, and, you know, last year, you know, they didn't have the best year last year in the minds of their fans, certainly, I mean, record-wise and all that. I mean, um, but uh, they had a good year, and, they, in fact, they played in our game and, and so forth. But, they, um, but you know, coming back this year, I think they had a lot uh, uh, coming back to work with, and they built – or they've, it's been really clear all season that they've been building off of, you know, last year – and trying to go to the next step and they're, and they've been, you know, getting better, it seems each week. So, um, and that, that was certainly a nice statement victory for them, uh, especially as a big 10 team coming down and playing. Uh, I, I saw some stat, I couldn't remember what it said, but it's been almost, it's been about forever since a big 10 team uh, played uh, at uh, in the regular season at an SEC school. And, uh, and, you know, there wasn't like, you know, like a neutral site game. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so that, that was a huge statement for Penn state to be able to come down, uh, to, to Auburn, Alabama and, and, uh, and play the way they did. So, uh, that's only going to help their confidence and that's only going to help them, uh, in a lot of ways and probably recruiting too, by the way, um, uh, you know, with regard to, uh, you know, their season ahead, you know, Auburn, I'm just, I'm not really sure. I haven't, like I said, been able to really watch them yet. But I, uh, you know, obviously that was a disappointment for them. But you know, we'll we'll see what they got. It's uh, you know, this it's certainly a, a bit of a rebuilding time for them. And um, you know, hopefully they can they can you know get it together here uh, pretty quickly. I see Boston College twice so far, two of their games this year, playing Florida State. Uh, you know, this this coming weekend. And, uh, you know, Florida State's in a pretty good position. Uh, you know, the, the, what are the odds? Uh, 60, I'm not sure. I can't remember. I don't have the paper for them. I think they're like a 15 or 16-point favorite because. We're there? Yeah, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. I, yeah, I, I can hear Frank. you. Yeah. Are you there, Frank? Okay. Okay. Yeah, is the Don bo- there? Did Don <laughs> drop off? Just you and me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here he is. Are you back, Don? Uh, 
Are you back? Okay. Yeah. We lost you. Yeah. yeah I, my question was that uh, uh, given the the, uh, the performances at this point in time, as do you think that uh, Florida State has turned their program around and finally on their upward okay. swing, or is this Don, I think we got everybody back. Don, you there? I'm here. Frank, you're there. Mike, you're there. Yep. Yep. We're all here. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Well, so the question was, has Florida State turned – yeah, has Florida State turned their program around? So it seems like they're definitely on the right track. Um, you know, granted that they, you know, they they played some really tight games, um, but mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you know, good teams also make good, you know, uh, uh, create their own luck sometimes. And and uh, you know, they've done. I think what you got to do is you got to say, okay, look at them now compared to where they were last year. Um, you mm-hmm. know, obviously they 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 played Notre Dame to overtime in the first game. Uh, could have won the game, obviously. Should have won the second game against Eastern, uh, uh, whoever Jackson State or whatever it was. But um, but you know they were floundering a little bit. They were still trying to find themselves. They're trying to figure out the quarterback situation. You know they definitely have a different era uh, aura about them this year. They, their quarterback mm-hmm. situation has solidified uh, with with mm-hmm. the Trevor in there, and so they they are definitely a better team, and I, I think they're on the right road. Uh, and certainly starting out three and zero helps uh, helps everybody uh, in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know I, I think they're on the right track. Um, obviously you know they they you know they've got some areas they got to continue to improve on. Uh, you know to so that they're not having to uh, win nail biters every week. But um, I, I think that they're on the right track and and it's going to be an interesting game. They're I think they're 17 point favorites over Boston College. Uh, you know, yeah. so mm-hmm. if they cover that and, and they beat Boston College, they're going to start out four and zero instead. Of, and last year they started out zero and four. So I would say that's a pretty good turnaround. That's a good, yeah, it's a good turnaround. Yeah, Boston College has really struggled out of the Can't gate. Do any so I, now, I, right? <laughs> no, I, you're right. You're exactly right, Roger. Yeah, the uh, I saw Boston College uh, a little bit uh, on one game. Uh, and, uh, you know, they are. I mean, it, there's no doubt about it. But, you know, there's some other uh, programs that I thought would be a little better this year, and they're having some issues too. And, uh, you know, Temple is uh, Temple, is Temple, Don. I mean, you were there so many years, and, uh, you know, Matt Rule lost again, okay, which is not good. You know, for, uh, Matt, had a tough, Matt had a tough weekend this weekend. Yeah, he sure did. And, uh you know, what about that, uh, Mike? I mean, you know, you also get to watch the uh, uh, pros. Uh, what do you think about some of the exciting games in the NFL we've had this season? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, uh, there's been some wild ones, um, you know, which obviously makes for good entertainment. I'll, I'll say that. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think what's been interesting to me this What's been interesting to me this this year so far in some games, at least that I've seen, is is um, uh, teams. Well, as an example, like you know Atlanta, you know they, you know when um, they're playing uh, New Orleans, they're playing New Orleans, and they, you know they they played terrific for three quarters, and then all of a sudden just gave up the house in the fourth quarter, you know, and ended up losing the game. And there's been a few games like that where 
you had a team that was unexpected, you know, uh, doing really well. And I think the Bucks, you know, last week too was same thing. They, you know, they were they were struggling and struggling and struggling, and then all of a sudden they just, you know, they suddenly they just took over the whole game against uh, against New Orleans. So, you know, it's it's interesting that there's been games like that this year. On the, on the flip side, there's also been games like like Buffalo, who just buzzsaws through everybody without blinking. You know, so right. you know it's been a it's been an interesting season so far. I mean, only a couple of weeks into the NFL season, but uh, good golly, I mean, there, there's definitely some games that, I mean, the, the the final outcome may have been what you expected, but how they got there didn't it wasn't really how you thought they'd get there. Very Mike, before we let you go, uh, let's talk a little bit. I know you can't talk about tickets, but uh, at least uh, give us an update. First of all, uh, as I said at the top of the segment, uh, you're not going to be on New Year's Day this year, so let's talk about that. And uh, also the fact that uh, the name the Relia Quest Bowl and, and uh, you're down and have been, uh, not, not necessarily yeah, with that please. name, but you've been there for 30-plus years, and uh, it's going to be on the 2nd of, of the January, as yeah. I understand. Yeah, we're going to be kicking off at noon uh, Eastern time on January 2nd. You know, when whenever the calendar falls the way it does this year, where the January 1st falls on a Sunday, uh, because of the NFL schedule, uh, the the games that are typically played on New Year's Day every year, you know, the college bowl games, are moved to January 2nd, which becomes the, the de facto holiday for 90% of the country at least, um, you know, that they, that they end up celebrating New Year's on January 2nd on that Monday. So, so the, uh, so the citrus bowl and this year, I think the cotton bowl is, is on New Year's day or, or is on in that lineup on January 2nd, um, uh, we'll be playing. And then the Rose bowl, you know, same thing. We'll all be playing, uh, on January 2nd instead of the first. So, uh, it's just a calendar a situation. Uh, and then, you know, next year, uh, when, you know, the calendar moves a day, uh, and slides a bit, and then we'll be playing on Monday the first. Uh, next year, so a couple of that. So, a uh, couple of weeks a, down the road, you give everybody ticket it's, information, it's, it's, club information, uh, group information, everything you get for, pertaining to getting tickets to the game. Yep. You'll be able to give all that information out in a couple of weeks. Yep. Thank you very, yeah, very yeah, much. Yeah, we're going to be those on sale late, probably late October. So, thanks for having me, guys. Late Appreciate October. it. Okay, another month. Yep. Always a pleasure, Mike. Take care. Have a great week, Mike. Thank you. And we Take go from Mike to Mike, but we go to Have Mike Zimzak this time, who's down in Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, the Baltimore, Washington area. It covers most of the Baltimore activities as well as Washington Force. And, Mike, uh, a lot of activity down there. Most importantly, your uh, Washington team knocked off the Braves 3-2 to two this afternoon in a game that was on Major League Baseball. I had a chance to see a little bit of that one. Yeah, and I mean, the season is long over for the uh, Washington Nationals, but quietly picked up a couple of wins recently. Uh, they've had a couple of good series, especially against the Mets and the Braves. So it's good to see them giving some of the young players prospects an opportunity, and that guys are getting um, at bats. Uh, C.J. Abrams, who they picked up in that trade, uh, have been having some really good at bats recently. So they're at least showing that they're not completely dead and rolling over. Roger. 
Yeah, well, I, I've been impressed uh, because they want they wanted some games like you said. And uh, hey, you got to give any team that's had the season that they've had with uh, getting rid of players and uh, getting in a lot of young uh, new uh, talent, uh, and and they're still playing hard, Mike. I give them a lot of credit. You know, Roger, when you look at the Nats, Davey Martinez, I think, has done a a good job with what he's had to work with. And you're right, Mm -hmm. they're still playing, they're still concentrating. You look at them, and then you compare them to, and I I mean, I don't want to really, you compare them to a team like the, the, um, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who've had a player drop his cell phone while rounding the bases, and another player (laughs) who missed the ball because he was eating sunflower seeds and didn't have a glove on. I I mean, if if, if nothing else, you know, Davey's got them trying in the field. Like, they're they're actually paying attention to the games. Mike, you know what that reminded me of with the uh, cell phone? What we mm-hmm. face in schools with kids yes. with cell phones, right? Yes. I just I couldn't imagine playing in a sport like baseball with a cell phone in my pocket because doesn't one think that if you slide or anything like that, it might get broken? And yeah. I know if I broke my cell phone and I had to replace it, I'd be kind of upset, but I'm not a major league baseball player. Apparently the laws of physics work differently for them. <laughs> well, let's jump to the NFL. Uh, Washington got off to a good start the first week, struggled in the second. How about that? The problems that they had the first week, I think we saw a lot of them again the second week. Uh, the run defense is pretty bad, and this there is a disconnect in between the players on the field and what they're playing and what seems to be the, the coaching staff um, asking Ron and Jack Del Rio about the defense and what do they need to do and what's going on. And their answer keeps, seems to be that the players just aren't executing the scheme. The players just aren't executing the scheme. The players just aren't executing the scheme. Which leaves me with these things. Either A, you picked a bunch of players who just aren't that good and can't execute the scheme, or your scheme is so complicated that the players can't execute it. And I'm going to lean a little bit more towards the latter. One of the um, pundits down here said, it seems like Jack Del Rio's this gap-and-a-half defense that Jack Del Rio wants to run is very complicated for the players to play, yet very easy for offensive coordinators to um, game plan for. And so we've seen them struggle in coverage. We've seen them struggle, especially against the run, where the uh, Washington defense is giving up about seven yards of carry. And it just so happens that they have one of the best running teams in the league in the Philadelphia Eagles coming into town this weekend. Roger, I was just going to say, you could jump in with that because you've been following those Eagles pretty closely the first couple of weeks. I sure have, and uh, but I'll tell you what, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, the commanders upset them, Mike, after uh, Monday night. You know the way you have an emotional letdown, you know, after a performance like that. 
on uh, the national stage, but any and anything can happen. What do you think about that? Uh, I would not be surprised, but I think for the Eagles to lose, I think it's going to be a lot. Take a lot of them beating themselves. Um, the Washington, the, the, the offense here is pretty good. Uh, they've got a lot of weapons at skill positions. They can stretch the field. And, Car- and Carson Wentz has actually been able to move the ball. But that said, he's going to give them some opportunities. He's thrown interceptions. He's taken sacks. So there's going to be some opportunities there for the defense. And if the offense executes, then they should be able to get through a Washington defense, like I said, that is just really struggling and has been for the last couple of years, uh, at least the last two seasons, and typically doesn't deal real well with mobile quarterbacks. And if there's one thing that we know about Jalen Hurts, it's that he can run. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a little bit about a if the uh, commanders upset the Eagles, I think it's going to come down to a little bit about the Eagles beating themselves. I'm not saying that's mm-hmm. impossible, but they're going to have to chip in. One thing that does concern me about the Eagles and the commanders is the commanders have been able to score a lot of points in the second half. And the last couple of games, the Eagles just seem like they've taken their foot off the gas uh, in later in games a little bit prematurely. And I wonder if, um, Washington can't take advantage of that trend. A lot of support down there for Washington, or are they still mediocre in the way they feel about how things are going? I think everybody was very optimistic after week one, feeling like, okay, maybe we've turned a corner, maybe we've turned a corner, and then week two happened. And it wasn't just that they lost to the Lions in Detroit, and the Lions were favored for the first time in 30, in what, like 30 some odd games, almost two seasons, that they were favored in a, a, um, in a game. It was the fact that they looked so bad in the first half. They were down 22 to nothing, I believe it was, at halftime. Uh, they gave up a sack. Uh, at one point in time, the, the Washington, the uh, receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown had more yards by himself than the entire Washington offense did. And they were able to get it a little bit together in the second half, but it just brought up a lot of, okay, here we go again. And, you know, the Jack Del Rio and uh, Ron Rivera, I, I don't feel like they've done a ton this week to kind of quell those fears, you know, all their questions about the defense have been pointing to, well, the players aren't executing the scheme. The players aren't executing the scheme. Uh, they've really come down hard. And I think partially unnecessarily. So on Jamin Davis, they seem to be singling him out last year. It was chase young, and, you know, Oh, the defense is struggling because guys aren't doing their job and kind of indicating that chase young was, as much a problem as anything else. Now it seems to be Jamin Davis. And I'm wondering, like, you were the guys who got these guys. You were the ones who said that these were the players that you thought 
They didn't make any significant investments in the defense in the offseason. They said that, oh, it would improve because last year they faced a historic run of great quarterbacks, and it hasn't. And so there's kind of a feeling of, well, here we go again uh, going on around here right now. And I will tell you the pitchforks and torches are definitely out for um, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio right now. Roger? Then if they don't produce, they're gone, right? Uh, definitely at the end of the year. Um, yeah. Ron has never really been one to make midseason coaching changes. Uh, I said before the season I was a little bit surprised, given the way the defense performed last year, that Jack was back. And you've had the defense kind of struggle this year. Um, I They like Jack. And I don't know that Ron has anybody who could necessarily replace him right now. So definitely there's a chance that they'll be gone at the end of the year, uh, at least one of them. I think the big problem with the way the team is set up was they gave so much power because they had to, to get Ron Rivera. There's really Mm -hmm. nobody over top of him. He's, Got the, he's not the general manager, but the general manager is somebody who he hired. So mm-hmm. he's the vice, he's the head of all the football operations. And so there's nobody there to say, look, man, it might be time to make a move on this one. This just doesn't seem to be working. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Roger? you know, what was interesting uh, on Monday night's game, and, uh, you know, uh, I know, Don, you didn't get to see it. They talked about uh, – uh, was it Vic Fazio, right? The uh, former uh, mm-hmm. coach at uh, Denver. And uh, they, I had heard this on WIP from uh, uh, one of the uh, reporters that contributes that he's been around the Novacare a lot. And they thought that if uh, Jonathan, again, the uh, uh, defensive coordinator, if he didn't come through on Monday night, he may have been gone. Uh, because they were upset with his uh, lack of aggressive uh, call playing. Well, you probably saw that, Mike. I know, Frank, you, I'm sure you've heard about it. And uh, mm-hmm. then they talked about uh, the, uh, the um, Minnesota's defense playing his Fazio's style. And, and here I'm thinking, yeah, but Fazio has been around the Eagles, even though he's under contract to uh, Denver. So I think he's got one. This is his last year. So who knows? I mean, you know how these deals go. Uh, As I said, uh, the NFL stands for not for long. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Jack Del Rio, uh, white guys think you could chat about a little bit because, you know, the last few years, I feel I can be sympathetic in the fact that he hasn't had a lot of talent. But, I mean, he's been on a lot of clubs as a defensive coordinator now, and those clubs don't win many games. Right. It's Yeah. It's, and when you look at the amount of draft capital Washington commanders spent, and so much of it was spent in one position, you know, first and second round picks all up and around, down that defensive line. You Chase Young, uh, high first round pick. Jonathan Allen, first round, high first round pick. Deron Payne, 
first-round pick. Montez Sweat, I think Mon- he was a second-round pick. Then they went and got rid of important death players, but then turned around and drafted Fedarian Matthews, another um, first-round pick th- this year, or second-rounder this year, high pick. Mm-hmm. They've done this at the expense of other positions on the field. And so you're left with Jamin Davis, who they apparently just don't like, and a lot of people thought was overdrafted at 19, who they wanted to put at middle linebacker and thought that they could do that. And it hasn't worked. It's a position that he never played, and they're giving him all this responsibility and a new position, and he looks like a fish out of water. And Cole Holcomb, who was a mid-round, late-round pick at best, and he too has struggled. So they, they've, I don't know, they, they do have talent. It's just that they seem to have talent all in the same position. You know, get over over to soccer, uh, Mike. Uh, the uh, the United and uh, the uh, Union uh, played to a nothing nothing tie on Saturday. I got to see a little bit of that game, and uh, it it was. I mean, I think it was a good performance for the United. I don't know if you got to see uh, anything, uh, any of it or not. But I definitely saw it. They played like a team that was playing for what they were. They're playing for their playoff lives. And make no mistake about it, if it wasn't for Andre Blake and Jacob Gleesness and their heroics keeping the uh, ball out of the net, um, it probably would have been an Atlanta win. Uh, Atlanta, when they're playing well, make Mercedes-Benz a hard place to play. They get pretty mm-hmm. decent. They get really good crowd support, but you're also dealing with the um, artificial field, which is not going to react the same as grass. And right. if you're a team like the Philadelphia Union, who will not have played on an artificial surface outside of uh, Atlanta and I think maybe Toronto. Um, that's going to be a big change for them. And so, you know, full credit to Atlanta. Uh, Not picking up the full three points for them, I put them in a really tough position with two games left. It's going to be hard for them to uh, get into the playoffs. They still have a couple of tough games left to play, and they're on the outside looking in. But it was good to see them put up some fight. Um, you know, while it ends Union's hope of tying or, or uh, making the points record, single season points record, a good draw on the win, and they keep their uh, club record on beating streak going. Two run home runs out of the eighth inning. Uh, Astros now lead the Rays four to two. Uh, Rays, of course, uh, still in the hunt, trying to you know clarify the. Uh, the wild card or get into the playoffs. Uh, so right now it's four, two in favor of, uh, of the Astros. And, uh, I know all too many got hit on the elbow with a pitch uh, back at the fourth or fifth inning. I haven't heard anything about, uh, any, any problem with it. Just, uh, was just uh, above the, the left elbow, but, uh, Roger, go to it. Yeah. Phillies are still and the, uh, blue Jays tied at uh, zero. Uh, in the uh, seventh inning, so uh, five hits for each team. The um, I did a little opposite of last night, Roger. <laughs> oh, far cry! But it's usually that way, Don. When you get a slugfest yeah. and a one-sided score, 
the uh, but you're, Mike, you're exactly right. Uh, when a team does not play on artificial uh, surface, uh, and and then all of a sudden they have to play, it's got to be a, uh, a a real challenge. But I also wanted to tell you that uh, today in uh, subbing, I had a young man uh, who's a, a junior in high school and uh, has great size and uh, is a uh, must be a very good soccer player. Um, and I asked him I, if he was a union fan, or, and he says no. He he said what he really uh, follows is uh, a European soccer. And, and I'm you know I'm started thinking you know today uh, you go into a lot of uh, different places restaurants. And they'll, especially during the day, they'll have on uh, European or international soccer, and that's what this man is watching, not watching Major League Soccer. A lot more people watch it. I mean, to be honest, Major League Soccer is probably a little bit below what the major international European leagues are. Uh, People from around the world tune in to watch Major League Baseball, the NFL, and the NBA and the NHL because it's the best product. Uh, the European leagues in France and Germany, England, Spain, and Italy are the best, and that's where the best players are. That's where the biggest teams are. Uh, so that's where the big – that's where the draw is. So, yeah, and you're seeing uh, that – backed up by the amount of money that networks like Paramount, uh, CBS, like uh, ABC, ESPN, and NBC, and even Fox to a certain extent, are paying for the rights to be able to stream and broadcast these games. Mm-hmm. We spoke a little bit in the first segment uh, because I already got the review today on the financial side. Uh, Sinclair and uh, and uh, Bally uh, having so much difficulty financially. You just mentioned about payouts. Uh, uh, a lot of the clubs uh, right now, uh, I shouldn't say a lot of the clubs, but a number of the clubs are going to have to take uh, a short sheet maybe if uh, they, they just don't have the money and they, they made these big bids and they're paying so much money, but it looks like they're going to go bankrupt. And Major League Baseball, NBA, and, and uh, uh, the National Hockey League are going to have to come in and bail everybody out. Well, we've seen that before. Uh, over, uh, That's an unfortunate situation. I mean, when you get these groups that put together these bids, hoping that they're going to make the revenue, and then they don't, and then ultimately it's the teams that lose money. Uh, I remember many years ago a uh, small broadcasting company called Satanta got the rights to broadcast European, um, the English league games over here in the United States and just couldn't get off the ground and eventually went bankrupt the next year. And it cost those teams several, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars that they were counting on in revenue because, you know, they didn't get that. They weren't able to make the payments that they were supposed to make. And once they went bankrupt, you can't get water from a stone. That's well, true. it's going to be interesting to see what develops with this because, uh, uh, you know, you don't hear much about the, about major um, television uh, uh, entities going bankrupt and, uh, you know, having to make big deals with baseball, basketball, and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, keep the thing going. Roger? 
Yeah, well, that's that's very true, Don, and and you don't. But uh, uh, you know, then I look back in, at hockey and and the two franchises that were uh, here in Atlanta, uh, and uh, especially the Thrashers. I mean, that was ridiculous. Uh, the league got a lot of money from winning, uh, moving that team back to Winnipeg, and uh, the city of Atlanta, the community, the area uh, has suffered, and it was all because of poor management, nothing else. They had the draw. They had the communications, uh, the TV, radio. They had everything, and it was a matter of uh, just dollars and cents for uh, for uh, them to uh, – sell the team and move away. And I think that's ridiculous. And I, I look at the uh, St. Louis Rams, okay? That, you know, that dome wasn't that old, and they St. Louis had made the commitment to uh, bring everything up to uh, standards. And I'll tell you what, what's amazing today. There's even They butchered them. That's that, what they did, Roger. Well, they, they butchered did. the people oh, of St. Louis. They did. They really did. I hope they get another team. But I'll tell you, uh, just to, to uh, show you how it's gotten to high school sports, uh, Buford High School is moving up to 7A, which is absolutely the highest classification. They have a, a whole gallery of state championships. They have built a new high school. Now they have to build a new stadium that uh, is, um, meets the 7A requirements so they're building an overpass over Buford Highway to get from the the, uh, uh, the school to the new stadium. <laughs> who pays for that? The state or who? Oh, it's got to be the the, uh, the the city, the city of Buford. And okay. 50% of the students at the high school, and I guess in the system, 50% are tuition because they don't have a uh, – they're under capacity – so they can go out and uh, have, and they have excellent education. I mean, there's no doubt about it. People will pay to send their kids to uh, Buford schools. But I, isn't that amazing? I mean, half of the students uh, pay a tuition. Then that's another way they make money. You there? That's incredible. I'm here. Yeah. So I Mike, I thought Mike was going to make a comment. Oh, I was just saying, that's incredible, Roger. Amazing, isn't it, Mike? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Frank. I said that, I was just saying that, that's incredible. But we're seeing that. We've talked about, you know, the the money in um, how that's playing out here in the D.C. area with trying to find a stadium for uh, for the commanders to play and then how that television deal, um, and I'm pretty sure um, Masson may be in there because of the carriage fees and stuff like that. I think in part Bally's might own part of that. Um, how that's playing out with the, rev- with the sale of the Nationals because they just can't get the revenue for mm-hmm. that. Well, I think just, to- go ahead. Go, I just got to say, there, there are TV contractors involved in this uh, – uh, that the network that runs that uh, Bally and 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 the one you're referring to with Washington, that they're in the they're in that group that are having the financial troubles. Yeah, and we we see well, it on that, 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 and they Bally's haven't been able to. Hmm. 
Yeah, no, Valley does the Brad. Go ahead, Mike. I just wanted to I'm sorry, Roger. put that. Yeah, we no, that's that all right. Go ahead. They seen that with their struggles in Masson. Masson, you know, Masson's been covering all the away games from the studio. They still haven't. They said because of COVID, but they still haven't been sending. Uh, last I checked, they hadn't been sending any of their production crews out on the road. No money. Cheaper. Cheaper. Yeah. You know, having to sit in the stadium watching it on the big screen. Don Doug's ready. Has anything happened? I, I haven't gotten to see it. I haven't seen a cut in on the Rays game of Judge. Has the Judge done anything tonight at all? No, Anybody seen anything? Uh, yeah, I, no, they they cut away on MLB. So I, I yeah, don't I, know. They, uh, I got MLB on, but they haven't cut back. They haven't got the Judge, so no, I, I don't know. Cut back. No, I, I uh, was that. Frank, uh, is uh, Doug there? Is that what you were saying? Yes, he is. Yeah. Okay. Mike, take care. All have right, a great gentlemen, week. you guys have a good week, and I'll talk to you later. Take care. Appreciate everything, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Take care. Okay, take care. No Doug Hamilton, our next guest up, always in the Baltimore, Washington area, PGA professional, has his own club there, of course, and has been there for about a year now, and everything's moving along nicely in that direction. And, Doug, uh, two things. Uh, they spend a lot of time on MLB today talking about the two managers that they think uh, have the best shot to get in get the uh, uh, Manager of the Year award the American League. And one is in Baltimore, and one is a friend of ours from Philadelphia, Francona. So uh, your thoughts on that? Well, uh season's not over yet. But, uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, as we've mentioned before, the over-under win total for the Orioles starting the season was 62. So, um, you know, we're well into the 70s now. And, you know, I'd like to see them – get to the 500 mark, that'd be wonderful. So, I mean, I, I think you have to consider somebody like Brandon Hyde for, um, you know, the quote-unquote island of misfit toys that he's dealt with all season and, you know, rookies and, you know, all kinds of different people that have helped him win his baseball games. I feel like he's pushed the right buttons with his bullpen and made the right moves with starting lineups and those sorts of things. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can – you can uh, you know, I think that's not a good idea to, to consider him for that. Roger? Yeah, the, the uh, Doug, I wanted to ask uh, what this uh, the golf. Uh, I saw today a lot of action with uh, Craig Nor- Greg Norman. And uh, you fellas want to talk about that because, I mean, it's causing a big controversy because of Saudi Arabia and human rights and everything else. Mm-hmm. No, I, there's no question about that. I mean, they're not going to be able to change that. They just try to make a proposal now that uh, homosexuality would no longer assess, I mean, not to execute somebody involved in homosexuality. Can they take the you know golf tour there and play? A uh, lot of major controversy going on. You're right, Roger, about what they can do and what they can't do. Uh, what are they going to do about women? Uh, they made a, a bit of a joke in the uh, New York Post the other day. I can't remember whether Phil Buster who it was. What are they going? What are they going to do uh, in Saudi Arabia when Dustin Johnson brings his wife down and when, when he wins the tournament? <laughs> I don't know how many people follow Dustin Johnson or Dustin Johnson's wife uh, and how she dresses after when he's out there on, on the golf course. That'll that'll be quite a quite a delight for the people. <laughs> that'll, that'll change the complexion of things out there. 
in Saudi Arabia forever. <laughs> that's what that, that, that yeah they had a big big thing. that's going to be what, what's going to happen when they when when she goes down to pick up the trophy with him when, when he wins the tournament in Saudi Arabia comes out on a, like she did in the I figure it was the last one she did when she came out on the green and oh my god but uh, I don't know this is going to go on and on and on I, we're not going to be able to settle it nobody's going to settle it uh, uh, you know they're going to they're going to eventually find a way to get it rectified but. Uh, Let's go to the, let's let's go to those Ravens because you had to be on the edge of your seat <laughs> on Sunday. I couldn't believe what happened. Yeah, I mean, listen for um, I don't I don't generally get a whole lot of weekends off, and once we start getting into the fall, um, you know, I start to take some Sundays off. And we had a couple baseball games earlier in the day that we went to. Um, you know, I was actually listening to. Uh, the games during that game, and um, you know, I felt like taking the opening kickoff, scoring a touchdown, and um, scoring some early points, and they they looked really, really good. And I thought, you know, gosh, you know, we we have this one in hand, and then all of a sudden, you know, a touchdown, and then a touchdown, and it just was difficult to watch the end of that game. Um, and even when the Ravens kicked that field goal, I thought, okay, well, you know, we're still winning. And I'll be damned, the Dolphins just drove on going down the field and just had too many, you know, breakdowns in coverage. And, and uh, you know, Tyreek Hill and, and Waddle were just kind of running all over the place, you know, scot-free. And I'm not really sure. I mean, I've been listening to the local stations to try to figure out kind of what the synopsis of, of what happened there. I mean, you know, I think we're still – um, in a in a difficult spot with Marlon Humphrey was was banged up with the groin and Marcus Peters was that was the first game back for him and a bunch of rookies in there and just some breakdowns in communication and coverage uh, lapses that um, I mean Tyreek Hill's a, a tough cover week in and week out no matter who you have you know in your secondary he's just so daggone fast um, but they just um, it was hard to watch that, you know. It's just those well, you and games you and Roger were in a much better position than I because I have not even to this. I've looked at a lot of the uh, replays today on, on NFL and so forth, but I haven't seen the punter that uh, actually executed the onside kick. I didn't see it. Roger, did you see it? Or I obviously, no. Uh, you know, uh, no. what no, happened? Just, what what happened? Just, no. Well, you you saw it, Doug. I just saw highlights. And I saw, uh, you know, and of course at the end, uh, you know, I, I was I was working, so I didn't see it until I got home, and uh, I just could not believe it. I was tracking the score uh, during uh, work, and uh, I could not believe that the Ravens uh, would lose a lead like that. I never saw yeah. it. What what ha- what actually happened with just how how they lost or. Yeah, I mean, what they, they said yeah. that they the punter punted it or kicked it, the onside kick to the right side or the left side, something different than I expected. And uh, of course, the Jets recovered, but I did. I've still to this minute haven't seen it. Oh, oh, you're talking the Jets game now. I I was flipping around, watching different things. I was buzzing around inside and out. I had probably and some different things, and there were a couple tight games towards the end where, you know, the Jets won, and then. Um, what was the other one? Uh, the Cardinals, I guess, that they they came back and won yeah, that the game. Cardinals, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Beat, beat the Raiders. Um, so there were there were a couple late game heroics that 
um, it spoiled some some fun for some people there. So, um, I mean, even into to Monday night, you know, I mean, I, going backwards, I I don't think anybody really thought the Cowboys were going to beat the Bengals, you know, with the backup quarterback, and um, the Bengals just haven't really looked themselves. Um, as a Doug, we talked bad at the top of the show. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, but everybody that we chatted earlier with on the show seemed to think that was not a surprise. I I just couldn't believe it. The backup quarterback, I agree with what you said. I I didn't think yeah, Dallas, I mean, after watching him the first week, I didn't think they had a shot to beat be Cincinnati. Well, that, Dallas wasn't worth a damn the first week with Dak Prescott. So, I mean, do right. the math, you know, with, with someone else, I feel like, you know, how, how could they possibly? But, but Joe Burrow just, you know, still has problems staying in the upright position. They went out and spent a bunch of money on their offensive line. And, I mean, if you look at the weapons that they have, I mean, you know, good running back and mixing and, and then pick your poison with, with Chase and, and Boyd and, and Higgins and then add um, right. tight end Hurst. Um, I mean, they, he's got so many options, but he just doesn't have enough time to throw him the football. Um, and he seems to be off the target, you know, when he does. So, um, you know, I just that was that was kind of a, a head scratcher for me. And then um, I guess Monday night, where the Bills looked really good, but I tell you, the the Vikings looked putrid. I mean, they they couldn't really run the football. They they dominated Green Bay last week, and you know Jefferson ran wild uh, last week on on Green Bay, and he didn't really do a whole lot this week. And um, Darius Slay was was a really good cover corner um, this past week on Jefferson, and, and kind of shut him down. But you know, I, I think if you're an player of the week, Doug. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're an Eagles fan, um, things are looking up. And I tell you what, here's one for you, Roger. If you're an Eagles fan, I think you're pretty happy about, you know, what's happened the first couple of weeks. But the Eagles drafted um, three guys from from Georgia's football team: um, Davis, the gigantic defensive tackle; uh, Dean, the linebacker; and Seen, the uh, safety. All three of those players combined played like 30 total snaps so, i mean you know they, they were well you, you you know why you, you know why doug okay they, I, the I eagles don't. had total okay here's the story the eagles had total control of that game would you agree mm-hmm. from the Absolutely. first the first possession sure. okay minnesota was throwing 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 they have mm-hmm. jordan davis is the run mm-hmm. stopper they didn't yeah. run that much. He played 21 right. plays. The week before, I think it was 23 plays, and he played great. Yeah. Okay, yeah. they said he was fantastic. And that, and I was watching for 99, you know, to see. Mm-hmm. But then when you start thinking about it, the uh, you know, Gannon, uh, he's under a lot of stress to, you know, to, to either turn it around or he might have been gone. And who knows mm-hmm. if Vince Faggio, I mentioned it earlier, because he's been around the Novacare complex, and he lives, Whoa. I guess he has a house in the Philadelphia area. So they were thinking, hey, Gannon doesn't make it, Fazio's in, and he's out. Hmm. But that's what, it, that's what I'm, I know that's what well, it was. I mean, it was all sure. because I mean, that, they had the pants. That was it. That, that, that guy, Jordan Davis, is, I mean, you can't miss him. I mean, he's literally like two cheeseburgers away from 380 pounds. I mean, he's... <laughs> <laughs> He's ginormous, and then, but you look at you, you you look at Nicobe Dean, who they got in the third round, who was widely regarded as as probably the first or second best linebacker in the whole on draft. And yep. I believe that guy seen was was some version of All American last year, whether it's first, second, or thirteen or whatever. But 
you know, they're, they're playing some special teams, but I, I'd like to think that, you know, if, if you're going to draft players like that, that they probably, I mean, on most teams, I'm thinking they're, they're probably going to play, but um, I mean, the Eagles must be good enough that they don't necessarily need them to step in right away. Um, and I, I guess that's what they're proving on, on the football field. So, well, the, um, the, the fans were after Gannon to be aggressive and the mm-hmm. blitz, he hardly ever blitzes. And the and well, Don, you know, you, when you were in New Jersey, you heard about this on WIP and everything. Frank, you listened to it, and uh, and all of a sudden, Monday night, he's blitzing uh, quite mm-hmm. a bit. And I I yeah. think he was coaching for his job. To be honest with you, I really believe that yeah. he's been under the gun. He gets uh, he interviewed, I think, for three head coaching jobs, and everybody was saying, how can you consider him for a head coach? when he's not a right. good coordinator. So, right. but you know, they, they had a great game. Only time will tell. We talked mm-hmm. to Mike about uh, this, this uh, weekend, this Sunday, and you know, they could fall apart. I mean, you know, they could have a, uh, oh. a downer, but who knows? I, the, yeah, but, uh, that, but that, that was, that was my rationale. Sure. What does Harbaugh have to say after the game uh, and the uh, first couple of days in the press uh, following that uh, very unusual loss? Mm-hmm. Well, he he wasn't. I, I think he took the standard. You know, he wasn't obviously complimentary, nor was he. Uh, you know, the other way in terms of, you know, pointing out any tremendous mistakes. I mean, I think he he's the kind of guy that's going to use the. Hey, look, man, we're we're going to go back to the tape and we're going to watch and we're going to, you know, go go through the game plan and talk to all the coaches and and see kind of you know what just you know that kind of recap is is the kind of right you know, what he says. And, and and if you're really good with the media, you're going to talk in circles to the point where you really don't say anything. You're not going to give your, you know, you know, your hand away in any fashion. So, um, you know, that that's what the best of them do. So, and it's, well, yeah, it's, Doug, what happened in that game? I mean, that's the one I was uh, tra- talking about, right. tra- I was tracking and they mm-hmm. had a big lead, and all, and and they lose. I, I, yeah. what, what was it? I think what they they, they got twenty some points in the uh, one quarter, right? Twenty. They they were up twenty one in the fourth quarter, and and wound up losing. Um, yeah. You know, and I, from from all the stuff that I saw, I mean, they were, you know, it's not it's not like, you know, the Dolphins were were executing, you know, two yard runs, four yard runs, first down, you know, and, and kind of doing that all the way down the field. I mean, they were chunk plays that that had coverage breakdowns. I mean, uh, Tyreek Hill scored twice on, you know, longer pass plays that, that just he just got behind the secondary, which, you know, whether you're playing – I mean, in most cases, I think they were playing a zone type of defense. Um, and the one that I saw, the, the corner came up to kind of – guard him if you will and then he stopped and Tyreek Hill kept going and I think the corner thought that the safety was behind him that was going to help him and didn't the safety valve got got behind him and I guess that's what I'm saying there were communication issues with the coverages and the schemes they were running that not not everybody was on the same page and you know look I mean this this all started last year when when the Ravens were bringing guys off off the street to to play cornerback uh, with mm-hmm. all the injuries they had, and it's you know they lost Kyle Fuller, you know week one to an ACL, and and it starts again. I mean you know they're they're losing you know some guys, and the injury bug is still an issue you know an issue with them um, all, all over the field. I mean they haven't had 
Uh, Nick Boyle hasn't played yet. Um, Dobbins hasn't played yet. Edwards hasn't played yet. Um, Ronnie Stanley hasn't played yet. I mean, they still have a lot of guys that are trying to work their way back from from injuries, not to mention they lost their starting left tackle, Juwan James. They lost Kyle Fuller, as I mentioned. They lost um, Stephen Means, who was a pass rusher. I mean, they, you know, it's – it's a dog eat dog world when you when you talk about professional sports and injuries and that concept of next man up. In some cases, they don't have the depth. I guess I don't know. How did Tua look to you? You know what? I'm not a fan of his. I mean, I can tell you he grew for you know more than 400 yards. Um, so I mean, statistically, he looked great. Um, I just don't mm-hmm. particularly care for his his throwing motion. I don't care for his mechanics as a quarterback. Um, he was you know, over 500, wasn't he? Was he over 500 was, this weekend? No, they might have had total offense numbers that that approached that, mm-hmm. but he, passing wise, I think he was over four. But you know, we're splitting mm-hmm. hairs at that point because that's, I mean, you know, that's right. already better uh, yeah. than good. Um, you know, so I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I never would have spent the draft pick on Tua um, if I, if I were the Dolphins. That they kind of go in a different direction there. I mean, I'm. I'm a bigger fan of a guy like Justin Herbert or someone like that who can stand back in the pocket and just zip it in there and do what he wants. So, Well, you know, you look at Hertz. I mean, Hertz transferred to uh, Oklahoma when mm-hmm. uh, Tua replaced him. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I mean, it's just it's amazing, uh, you know, what happens sometimes in the pros oh. and, uh, you know, like Don, uh, you know, we were saying earlier with the Cowboys, that backup mm-hmm. quarterback comes in, and I never heard of the guy. I mean, of course, I don't pay attention to very many backup quarterbacks. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm with you. I didn't know who he was either, Roger. Yeah, well, the, yeah. I mean, you best, know, I know, I know the, I know the. Go ahead, Mike. I mean, go I ahead, say Doug. Him. I'm sorry. The, the best backup quarterbacks in San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I think you got that right. He's no longer a backup. Well, their 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 offense is better off with him than it, than it is Trey Lance. I hate to tell you, but you know, in many cases, I think you see that transition when when the. Hey, well, you don't in. get the Patriots this week. Thanks a lot, Frank. Thanks a lot, to all our guests. Have a good we'll catch one. you next yep. week, seven thirty. Bye. Right on.
Thanks, Bob. We love you and we miss you.